Coming up on Chasing the Natty, another week of CFF is upon us, and once again, we're here ready to get you guys caught up and ready to go for this week's games. As always, we'll be discussing this week's most interesting games, answering your sit-start dilemmas, and finally, letting you know which high-scoring matchups you could be taking advantage of this week. All this and more, coming right after this. Looking to Jarrett Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Daddy podcast. I hope you guys have a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. Maybe you're listening to us on the way back from work. I never really considered that before. Like I always just assume if you don't listen to it Wednesday morning, you'll get around to it Thursday morning. But with week starting or games starting early this week, I hope you guys are listening Wednesday morning because if you're listening to this Wednesday morning, we got a game tonight. Uh, game starting a little early this week, which a lot of people I know are a little miffed because uh, it means that they have to get their lineup set way sooner in order to take advantage of the auto-sub system. That's something that we and Fantrax still need to figure out how that's going to work moving forward. But as always, we got a loaded show for you guys today. As I mentioned at the very top of the show, we got everything we are going. Uh, we normally talk about on the preview shows. We'll discuss some of the interesting games, but then we'll really dive into your sit-start questions. We got a lo- loaded, loaded set of those for you guys today. And then we also will talk about five high-scoring games. Both segments, it was hard to kind of nail it down to which we were going to talk about. And, of course, to always help me out with the preview shows, it is Mr. Chris Moxley. Chris, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm good. I'm, I'm happy to be back. I, uh, I heard you all in just, you and Justice last week. That was awesome. I, uh, you know, we're almost halfway through the season, the college fantasy season at least. Yep. So had to... Uh, had to take a break, get my mindset back, make sure I'm delivering the best uh, start-sit content imaginable. Exactly. Uh, speaking of which, uh, this is something that I've been rattling around with my, in my head. I did this last year, and I think I'm going to do it again this year. I will be sending out, at one point, probably in the next week or two, a kind of mid-season checkup like survey like on my Twitter. Last year, uh, a, a couple people filled that out for me last year and actually pointed me into ways to improve the show. And I think I'm going to do that again this year. Uh, you guys have already been great about the feedback you've been giving us this year already. But, you know, there's always ways to improve the show. And again, we're doing something a little bit new this year in terms of like how the kind of content we're doing with the preview shows and the recap shows. You guys seem to enjoy it. But again, I want to hear it directly from you. So be on the lookout for that in the next couple of weeks. Let's hop right into this, Chris. Uh, let's talk about some of these kind of more interesting games. We'll avoid the games that we'll talk about later with some of the higher scoring games and everything like that. But what do you? What do you? What are the games that are most interesting to you this weekend? Since I know everyone that listens to the show is kind of in the same sicko boat that we are, I'm gonna give you one of my favorite group of five games, and we're going to Mac for this one. Yes, Kent State takes on Miami Ohio this week. And this game opened as a Kent State 
they were favored by three. That didn't sit right with me. Okay. That was a little. That that wasn't quite enough points for our Golden Flashes. I was say, is it at Miami of Ohio? It's at Miami of Ohio. Okay, makes a little more sense. The reason I I want to see this game is because last week Kent State posted seven hundred eleven yards of offense in regulation. Game went to overtime. They only scored twenty four points. I think they are due for a fifty burger here, and I am excited to watch this Kent State offense. Yeah, because didn't they didn't they turn it over like four times, like in like so in the red they, zone? Yeah, they turned it over twice inside the fifteen, and they got they got a boatload of penalties on a first and thirteen and a first and eleven. Oh my god! Those four score those scored those four drives resulted in zero points. So this could be a, a big explosion from. Yeah. State this week. I was, I was should have been last week. I, I was worried about Colin Schley last week. I'm not gonna lie. Through most of that game, I was sitting there looking at his fantasy score, and I'm like, "Yikes! This is his first MAC matchup, and he's not even hitting 20 points." Game goes to overtime. He scores 33 points. I'm like, "Alrighty." If like, ev- and, and then I look back on the game later on and found out like all the things that went wrong for them. I'm like, "Alright, if everything that could go wrong went wrong for Kent State in this offense during this game, and Schley was still able to put up 33 points, dude, he's gonna be a monster." down the line like if you do not like oh yeah like if if you've missed the train at this point if, if with colin Schley, if you don't already have him on your roster and whoever does very good chance they could just that's going to be a monster team down the line even if they haven't really done well up until this point so yeah and this night yeah I, I guess he ended up scoring late in the fourth i think they scored i think it was like 24 10 and they came back and ended up winning um i was gonna say that might be a buy opportunity but Maybe there's still a buy opportunity. This offense should have probably posted 40-plus last week. Got very unlucky. It's going to happen really soon, and I like yep. this matchup. So yep. that's what I'm excited for because, I I mean, Marcus Cooper was balling last week. It was a it was a fun time to be a, a Kent State holder of fantasy players. Yeah, I had Dante Cephas last week in one of my leagues where all my, all my receivers in that league refused to score a touchdown. I mean refused. And Dante Cephas came in and saved my entire day, basically. Because uh, I think he only scored one touchdown in the entire thing, but dude just went off for like 200, 230, 230 yards or something like that. Something like that, yeah. That's what, again, that's what I'm loving about this offense. Is I, It doesn't even seem like with how well they're doing, I'd have to worry about Cephas or Devontae Walker or Marquez Cooper stealing from each other week to week. There's going to be scoring opportunities for all four of these guys. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, Marcus Cooper, 240 yards, two touchdowns. Dante Cephas, 246 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Walker, six receptions, 107 yards. Like, they all, they're all going to eat every week. Yeah. Other interesting games that I'm looking at here. Again, I'm just kind of scrolling through here. Uh, obviously, we got Tennessee LSU. This is my hot take of the week. Call it a gut call. And my gut calls haven't been great lately, but... I think LSU takes down Tennessee this week. Tennessee is only a three-point favorite in this game. LS, I think people really do underestimate how great that environment is for LSU at home. And there have been some bad LSU teams that have taken down some really, really good teams coming in to Death Valley. Now, if it was at night, I would have been just like 100%. This, probably, this is over for Tennessee. But... I don't know. Something, something's just itching at me, telling me that LSU pulls it off this weekend. I 
don't have a strong take either way. I wish I did. I uh, I didn't like what I saw from LSU at all last week, but things can get funky, man. I don't trust Tennessee on the road in Death Valley either. Yeah. Again, rat poison starts to get to you. Anything could happen. Um, let's see. What other interesting games do I kind of like this week? Um, Utah UCLA. I think that's kind of a fun underrated match, even though it is two top twenty-five teams. You, uh, I think a lot of people do kind of forget that UCLA is undefeated so far this season. They kind of forget about that. And then Utah, outside of the hiccup at Florida to start the season, has really turned it around pretty much ever since then. So that should be a really fun one. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the other one, and we'll talk about one, we'll talk about obviously the major player in this one, but uh, Wake Forest versus Army, I am I'm actually looking forward to because again, like there's going to be people who are probably off Wake Forest players this week because they're afraid of them having less opportunities. I say no. I think they that offense completely overpowers Army this week. There's no, like... Well, again, we'll talk about that later. Um, any other ones? Oh, obviously, Texas A&M, Alabama. That game gets way more interesting if Bryce Young is not able to play in that game. Yeah. I uh, For people who are skeptical of Wake Forest this week, this game went to over 100 points last year between them and army just just throw that out there yeah exactly i think i think it went over like 130 yeah i think they both it was an absurd i I think they both hit 70 yeah absurd so again texas a&m alabama that game gets way more interesting if bryce young is not able to play not 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 that i think again i think alabama probably still wins it pretty comfortably but even still like just that possibility being there and also i want to see i do want to see more Jalen milrow i think some people were a little quick to kind of throw him under the bus last week and say he didn't have a great performance against Arkansas. How could he have a great performance later down the line? I would like to see more out of him as the season goes along because I do think he is the clear number two for Alabama. I think he's in the driver's seat for next year's Alabama team. I think we haven't seen as much talent out of him as we will. So, yep. Uh, any other games you want to kind of throw out there, Mox, before we kind of move over to my spiel? Uh, none probably that we won't discuss later. If if y'all are looking for something pretty interesting, I think UNLV San Jose State is kind of an interesting matchup. I think both teams are much better than we thought they would be. Yep. So if you're looking for some good football on a Friday night at ten thirty, there you go. Hell yeah, I love it. All right, let's go ahead and get over to my spiel. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you follow us, leave a five-star review, and leave a written review if you can there on Apple Podcasts. Love reading those from you guys. We are part of the CFF team here at Campus Canton. It is myself, Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, and Chris Moxley right there above me. We got podcasts. We got articles. We got weekly CFF rankings. Moxley has been absolutely killer on those these past several weeks. Uh, Mox, uh, I think, put out a tweet earlier today that everybody wants CFF rankings and everybody loves nothing more than to complain about the weekly CFF rankings. Mox, you've been doing a great job with those. Uh, Keep it going, man. Uh, Again, like I said, we got podcasts. You got the Chase and Daddy on Mondays. We got the recaps. We got the waiver wires. Wednesdays, you got me uh, and Chris Moxley here. We are doing the preview and the sit-start discussions, but also check out the other teammates' podcasts, including the Bet on C2C podcast. That is Brandon Sanders, Chris K, and Ethan Sowers. They do a fantastic job over there for all of your betting, all of your prize picks, and all of your DFS needs. They got you covered right over there. And then also 
Of course, make sure you check out everything else on campusofcanton.com. Lots of great articles for basically anything you would want in terms of fantasy football, both NFL and college. And check out the rest of the podcast feed. If you can't find something on there that you don't like, you're not looking hard enough, is all I'm saying. So, with that being said, I say let's let's get into these sit starts because there are quite a few here that again, Mox, you can back me up on this. I think this might have been the hardest week so far in terms of choosing which ones we would talk about. Because I I did a screening process, I'll admit, before the show where I there was so like y'all first of all, y'all came through. Y'all gave us a ton of different suggestions. And I real quick just make it easier on me and Chris. I'm like, alrighty. If they've been on the show before, if we've answered the question before, we're going to take them out this week. And we still had like seven, eight great questions per position. It was really oh, yeah. hard to nail it down. So let's go ahead and get into it. We got two at every position this week, so a full slate. So we're going to get right into it. First one here comes from Mr. T. Swanee at real underscore T. Swanee on Twitter. He is wondering who to put as his QB2. Does he put Spencer Sanders, uh, quarterback out of Oklahoma State, going up against Texas Tech? Or does he go with Sam Hartman, quarterback out of Wake Forest, going up against Army? See, told you guys that we would talk about, or I, I told you guys we would talk about uh, Sam Hartman going up against Army this week. So, Chris Moxley, where are you headed with this one? Which one are, which one are you leaning towards? Uh, I'm going to go Hartman this week. I like the matchup against Army a little bit more. Um, I, you know, I don't think Army is a particularly good passing defense. They're bottom 45 in basically all advanced passing stats. The concern that I have with Spencer Sanders is I think this Texas Tech defense is actually not awful. I know they've given up a good amount of points here and there, but on a per down-to-down basis, they, they can do some things. And I know, or I have seen... Spencer Sanders struggle yeah. and I know what his bad weeks look like. And so I'm just way more comfortable playing Sam Hartman. I think he, they have very similar floors. And I think they have very similar ceilings or no, I, sorry. I missed <laughs> I think they have very similar, very similar ceilings and Hartman has a much higher floor. Yeah. That's pretty much kind of how I'm leaning with this one. Um, Hartman coming off, not a great performance against F- FSU, at least from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, I think they were a little surprised by how well they were able to run the ball against Florida State. Um, they just stopped. They just stopped trying in the second half. They had no interest in moving the ball through the, the air. They just sat on their lead. That yeah. was that was how the second half went. I mean, they just weren't they weren't trying straight up. Yeah. And, is how I felt and, about and, that game. And Florida State couldn't take advantage of that. Um, and then at first glance, again, Moxley, you kind of touched on it already with the fact that, like, if you look at just the basic passing defense sets of, like, passing yards allowed per game and stuff like that, Army is 32nd in the country in terms of the lo- allowing the lowest amount. However, like Mox said, once you get into the advanced passing stats, they are allowing a lot more per play than you are than you can get out of that initial stat. And also, if you just look at the box scores of Army this year, they have just not been successful in terms of keeping people from putting points on the board, at least when it comes to anybody with a pulse. Like, they played Citadel, they played Bursar, they kept those guys off the board. But literally, you pay, they play any G5 or any P5 team, and they're probably going 30, 35-plus. 
Yeah. Wake Forest is a great and offense. I, Hartman's going to do very well. No, no hesitation there. And like Chris Moxley said, Sanders, great two weeks to start the season. Not as good of performances the next two weeks. Texas Tech has a very underrated passing defense. They're 46 in the country. I think that Hartman is the safer play here. What do you want to say, Mox? I was going to say, I just don't think the rushing game for Wake is going to really be able to do anything this week. So they're going to probably have to rely on the passing game more than they would otherwise. I like that. All right, let's go ahead and hit up our second quarterback question. This one comes to us from our good friend, Jay Mill from the at CFF on Instagram account. He's going between two dual threat quarterbacks, but this is a league that has six point passing touchdowns. He is asking about Mr. Max Duggan going up against Kansas, or he could go Mr. Dorian Thompson Robinson going up against Utah. To me, I like both of these guys in terms of just the potential they can put out any given week. However, the matchup to me, the matchup advantage lies with Duggan. He's going up against Kansas, who is 79th in total defense uh, in the country and 111th in passing defense. They really hit their stride this past week. I think they're going to be able to keep that going, especially going into a game day atmosphere. That's going to be a very high scoring game. Both teams are going to be at the top of their game. And I feel like Max Duggan's in for a really, really good day. And there's less risk involved with him getting shut down enough than there is with Dorian Thompson-Robinson going up against the Utah defense, who is currently sixth in total defense in the country and second in passing defense. So, Chris Moxley, what do you think about these two? Yeah, I, this is Duggan for me um, pretty easily. I Basically, for the same reason you said, I don't really want to play DTR against this Utah defense if I don't absolutely have to. I mean, they're good at limiting um, really in both phases of the game. I think Utah can put the clamp down this week on the CLA offense that has been pretty good so far. I mean, they, they beat up Washington, but I don't think Washington is a good defense. Yeah. So, I mean, they haven't been tested at all. I mean, they played Colorado. They played uh, South Alabama. They played Bowling Green. Like, we haven't seen them play a good defense. I'd really like to. So I'm rolling with Duggan this week because I actually think Kansas defense is not very good, despite them shutting down a what I think is bad uh, Iowa State offense at this point. They let Duke kind of keep the game close. They've let them – I think they had 40-point games against them, including, uh, I believe, West Virginia. I don't think Houston scored 40, but they scored 30. So, yeah, I, I, I'm rolling with Duggan this week. Yeah. Uh, Mox, check your mic real quick. I, you sound a little bit like an echo going on there. Um yeah, and uh, to touch on your Iowa State point and everything, I think Kansas loses that game last week if Jairo Brock doesn't go down after one play. I think that that was something that was kind of very underrated about that game last week. I think there is a drop-off after Jairo Brock. Again, obviously, he's not Brees Hall, but I do think right now he's clearly the best back that they have. And I don't think that uh, Deion Silas or and um, Sanders, who they have behind him, were really geared up and ready to go to be the guys in that game so i think i kind of agree with you that the kansas defense is a little bit inflated by how well they're able to stop the rest of that iowa state offense last week and then the iowa state also lost saver hutchinson during that game it was just it was just bad all around for iowa state last week i think this is the week that kansas kind of gets i don't want to say exposed because again that sounds mean i don't want to be mean to kansas but I think this is the week that we truly see what that Kansas State, that Kansas defense looks like. And 
Max Douglas should easily take advantage of that. So let's move on to our running back questions. We got a three for, for our first running back question here. This one comes to us from Adam, who is at ACR1129 on Twitter. He's going for a three for here. He is asking about Isaiah Bowser going up against SMU this week, or we can go with Anthony Grant versus Rutgers, or we could go Toa Tawa running back out of Nevada versus Colorado State. So I'm interested to hear where you go with this one first, Chris, because this one comes down between two guys, and I don't think it's the two guys that you're thinking about here. So I think this is Anthony Grant. Um, and I think it's Anthony Grant because I don't think Rutgers' rush defense is amazing, 62, 62nd in rush explosiveness. But the kicker is Anthony Grant is operating as like an extreme bell cow. He's averaging 27 touches per game. You're not going to get that anywhere else, and especially against the Rutgers team that I, I, I think defense is improving. I don't think they're all there yet. Um, I'm not on Isaiah Bowser. SMU's defense is very good, but Bowser just isn't getting the opportunity. Only 16 per game. Um, and I mean, part of that is game script, but I just don't trust him. Like, he's going to get you 60 yards and two touchdowns, maybe? Like, is that the upside? Mm. Probably. I don't think he's going to have 100. Um, I like Toa Tawa this week, and I have a really tough time sitting him. But I think I got to go Grant. Although it's very close between him and Toa Tawa, just because the Colorado State defense is bottom I don't know, five defense in the country. They're, they're probably the worst team in FBS. Them or Hawaii. Yeah, so Rutgers is actually the 18th in the country in rushing defense so far this year. Now, granted, that might be because teams don't feel like they need to run the ball on them. They can just pass the ball over them, and maybe those are why that's why the rushing defense numbers for Rutgers are as inflated. Again, you bring up the great point with Grant, and the fact is like the volume's clearly with him. He is getting 23.4 touches per game, both in receiving and uh, and on the ground. However, Toa Talba really is kind of an underrated fantasy asset this year, and I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth because I kind of crapped on him before the season and everything. Uh, He's averaging 19.6 touches per game and is out. He's... um, he is going about 4.1 yards per carry whenever he does. So he's doing pretty all right in a Nevada offense that's really not good overall. This one's a tough one because, again, I, the matchup to me is with Toa Tau. Again, like you said, Colorado State, 94th in rushing defense in the country. Grant going up against Rutgers, who's 18th. However, Grant has the volume. And I trust Nebraska to score at least a little bit more than I trust Nevada to score any given week. This one's tough, but I think I'm going to lean more towards Tawa here because I do like I do like the idea that he could break one open against Colorado State. Well, I think Anthony Grant, while he may have the volume, might be plotting a little bit more in this game rather than really breaking one open at any given given play. Does that make sense? I think we're both in yeah, agreement no. that, that Bowser is the odd man out here. He's a plotter. Yeah. doesn't matter his volume. doesn't matter he's going up against a terrible SMU rushing defense. He's also got John Rice Plumley to worry about in terms of him taking away goal line carries, um, taking away any kind of explosive run. If there's going to be an explosive run out of UCF, it's probably going to come out of Plumley, not out of Bowser. Yep, so, agree. Yeah. 
So you're going Grant, I'm going Tawa. I think we made a good case for both of those guys. And then, uh, Adam, if you're listening to this, uh, just, I would say, just uh, decide for yourself who is more convincing. Flip coin. Exactly. All right. Second running back question, another three for you guys really love these three first, but this one comes from Mr. Mike Lagos at Magic Knight 44 on Twitter. Three guys that he has this going up against. Ada Robbins, running back out of UNLV, going up against San Jose State. Or we can go with Carson Steele, running back out of Ball State, who is going up against Central Michigan this week. Or we can go with Marshawn Lloyd versus Kentucky. Mox, I'll let you start off. The only thing I will say here is I think we're both in agreement that Marshawn Lloyd is the easy out here. Don't even worry about him. Robbins has 22.8 touches per game. Steele has 24.2 touches per game. Lloyd is averaging 13.2. That is almost 10 less than the other two. Just don't worry about Lloyd here. But Mox, Robbins or Steele, where are you going? Yeah, I, I'm in agreement on Lloyd. Uh, I'm going Steele, and honestly, this question is pretty easy for me. Uh, Central Michigan is a body, bottom 40 rush defense in terms of explosiveness and rushing success rate, so you can move on them at a down-by-down basis, and they're letting up big chunk runs. Uh, they're 120th in defensive line yards, which means their line isn't getting any traction. Uh, their defensive line is, is kind of trash right now. They have a couple pieces uh, on that defense to transfer and the NFL and you're kind of seeing that parlay itself. Uh, Steele's just been so, like, like a bell cow this year, so I don't really want to move away from him right now. Uh, you talked about the touches he's getting. He's getting 27.8 opportunities. Mm-hmm. So he's not catching all of his passes, but if you if you got a guy who's getting 28 opportunities per game, 24 touches, I mean, this is a guy you, you have to be targeting. I, yeah. I, I just think it's overthinking it, trying to sit him this week. Well, again... I get that. The only, thing, the only thing is that Robbins is not that far behind him. Robbins is getting 22.8 attempts per game, which is only a, a, an attempt and a half behind Steele. And he is going up technically against a worse rushing defense this week in San Jose State. San Jose State is the 81st rushing defense. Central Michigan is 74th. These guys are very close, in my opinion. And I let you go first because I kind of, I was going to just honestly go whichever way that you went with this one, Mox, because. I literally have a question mark next to this question because I just put a question mark next to both of these guys. Normally, I just go ahead and choose before we get on the show, but like I was like going back and forth on these guys. I'm like, I wouldn't know which way to go on this one. Mox, I think I'll lean with you. Probably go steal here. I don't... If you... if Mike, if you're listening to this, if you feel in your heart that you have to start Robbins this week, I wouldn't blame you, but we'll lean steal here. Yeah. The reason I don't like Robbins... Um, and I probably should have said why I don't like him if I was going to choose Steele, is I should think San Jose defense is not that bad. Uh, their their defensive line is playing really well. Hmm. They're letting a couple explosive runs through, but man, like I think they could shut down UNLV this week. Like I, th- I think their front seven is one of the better defenses that UNLV will play. Uh, and they're favored by seven, so I don't think Robbins is going to get his usual workload either. So that's a concern I have with him, and I, I'm actually pretty low on Robbins this week overall. Okay. Uh, just just generally speaking, just because I think this defense is a little bit better than people may think they are. Well, yeah, you also, you uh, I'll throw out a stat you have here on the sheet and everything, that uh, San Jose State is fifth in D-line yards, and for those of you who don't really know what that means or how to apply it, that basically means that on a down-per-down basis, at least especially in the rushing game, 
they're not giving up a whole lot on a down for down basis. If you're if Robbins is going to perform well this week, he is going to have to rip off a chunk play, which as as Moxley pointed out, San Jose State does give that up every once in a while. It's just it'll be probably five, six plays in a row where they're not getting a whole lot. They're probably like they're, he's probably getting like two, three yards per carry, if even that. But then all of a sudden he'll rip off a 15, 20 yarder and then he'll go back to two, one, three yards, one yard, things like that. Yeah, I not a fan of Robbins this week overall. Just he's pretty low down in my ranks. I don't I should have pulled him up in front of me, but he's at least 40 spots below Carson Steele currently. Okay. I think it's a little closer, but Moxley's <laughs> a smart dude too. So he obviously is seeing something that I did not. So go with Steele. Let's move on to our wide receivers here. We got a three for here. And is it bad that I, again, this is obviously a good question. We'll get to the question here, but I kind of chose this because I really just wanted to say this man's name on air. This comes from Big Papa Pump on Big Twitter. Papa Pump. He All is right. at Big Papa 2634. He has a three for a question here for wide receivers. He is asking between Daywood Davis, who's going up against UTSA, or Jalen Hyatt, who's going up against LSU this week, or Cam Cooper, who is going up against Michigan. This, to me, is Davis and Davis by a mile. Um, UTSA is, first of all, if anybody remembers both the UTSA versus Western Kentucky games last year, you remember one thing and one thing only. Points, points, points. Those games were absolute shootouts this year, and nothing has changed. Both of these offenses are performing really well so far into this season. Both of these defenses haven't been the best so far this season. Davis is going up against the UTSA defense, which is 99th in the country. I don't expect anything to change about this game from last year. He is currently seeing a 9.4 targets per game rate, which is better than anybody else on this team, including the talented Mr. Malachi Corley. I think this is the kind of game that David Davis could absolutely explode in. Versus you got guys like Jalen Hyatt, who has only seen 6.75 targets per game. He's going up against LSU, who is 26 in passing defense. And then you're saying to me, well, Jared, you got Cam Camper over here. He is seeing 15 targets per game. That has to excite you somewhat. Well, yeah, but he's going up against Michigan, who's 10th in passing defense so far this year. And also, yeah, 15 targets per game is great, but he's only catching them 55% of the time. So I think this is Davis and Davis by a mile. Chris, do you agree? Yeah, pretty much. Um, he's had seven or more targets in every single game this year. Yep. He had 16 last week versus Troy. Yep. This UTSA, UTSA defense, 115 explosive pass rate. Um, Cam Camper is not even in this discussion for me. Not close. Um I'm not playing Indi- any Indiana player against Michigan. I just, Indiana might get just blanked this week. Yeah. Uh, Hyatt is interesting, but I actually think that I, he just has one game over six targets and like, he's not getting a massive target share. He's really exploiting bad defenses that can't cover deep. And LSU's missing seven banks this week, probably, but I don't think they're still a good pass defense. So I, I think this is David pretty easily. Hmm. Chris, I'm going to, I'm going to channel my inner Chris K here. Uh, are you saying are you saying that out of the Tennessee receivers, if you're gonna pick one that's not Cedric Tillman, would you uh would you be leaning more towards Brew McCoy here? Hmm? Hmm? Uh, hmm? I don't wanna start either guy, but 
Drew McCoy is certainly interesting this week if we think that LSU is down on their depth in the secondary, which I think they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, just to recap again, uh, Big Papa, this this one's Davis pretty easily. Start him and don't look back. If 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 Hyatt or Camper perform better than him, that's just unlucky, in my opinion. You just got unlucky. The process, everything points towards Davis having the best week out of these guys. All right, moving on to this next one. This one to me is a slam dunk on one side if one thing happens. If this thing doesn't happen, it does become a much more interesting discussion. This one comes from Chase Steele at Steel Chaz on Twitter. This is between Troy Franklin, who is going up against Arizona this week, or you have Marvin Mims, who is going up against Texas. Again, this should be a slam dunk for Marvin Mims. Everything is pointing towards him having the better game. He is more explosive. He is the deep threat for this Oklahoma offense. Texas is 90th against the pass. Meanwhile, Troy Franklin's going up against Arizona. Arizona's 29th in the pass so far this year. He's only seen 6.4 targets per game. But what happens if Dylan Gabriel does not suit up this week? And we have to rely on Mr. Bavell, the backup quarterback at Oklahoma. What happens then, Mox? I'll keep it short. Uh, Marvin Mims, if Gabriel plays, Franklin, if he doesn't, if we don't get Gabriel news by the time that the Texas-Oklahoma game kicks off, you play Franklin. Simple as that. Simple as that. No, doesn't need to be more complicated. If Gabriel's playing, play Mims. If he's not, Franklin. That's what I was, uh, uh, was going to say. Like, uh, like, is there a possibility you would still play Mims over Franklin in this case? But even like, Bevel looked bad last week. Like, that was a no. I, I won't. Okay. I actually don't think the Texas defense is all that bad either. I think they're actually pretty decent. Mm-hmm. So I'm not rushing to play Mims. Period. But I will play him if Gabriel is playing. Gotcha. All right. Well. Again, Chase, I hope that I hope that gives you some clarity there of what to be looking for this week in terms of injury news for this specific uh, matchup right here. Alrighty, let's move on to our flexes. And this next one, I I made sure to include this one because it's uh, people forget like a flex isn't always a decision between a wide receiver and a running back. Sometimes you got to decide between a running back or wide receiver versus a tight end. And somebody put one of these questions in here, and I'm like, you know what? This is a pretty good one, in my opinion. This one comes from I'm JD TBH, which is a great name. He is at I'm JD TBH. Full PPR I'm here. I'm JD. Yeah, is this Yankees burner? I would say this might be this might be JD Yankees burner. I'm just asking questions. Um. Anyway, who are we asking about here? Well, he's going up with Isaiah Williams, wide receiver out of Illinois, going up against Iowa this week, or Dalton Kincaid versus ucla so normally most of us would probably say like oh you probably go with the running back or the wide receiver over the tight end just any like just all things equal but i think there's a strong case here that dalton dalton kincaid is the one to play here despite the fact that isaiah williams sees more targets he isaiah williams sees 9.2 targets per game however he is going up against iowa this week Say what you will about Iowa. They got a pretty good defense. They are 12th in passing defense so far this year. And Isaiah Williams, as much as volume as he's getting, he's a PPR monster. 
Man, he has three games under seven yards per catch and two under five yards per catch and only two touchdowns on the season. Like, it is a very frustrating life out here for those of us who were very big on Isaiah Williams because they're keeping their promise that they're getting him the ball, but at the same time, he's not really doing much with it, unfortunately. Meanwhile, Dalton Kincaid on the other side of this. He's going up against UCLA, 77th against the pass so far this year. Again, far less targets per game, only 4.8 targets per game. That could increase now that um, that could increase now that Keithy is out for the year. However, four out of the last five games, Kincaid has seen double-digit yards per catch. He is being thrown to downfield. This is not a this is not a scenario where he's just being the dump-off option and only catch going a few yards. No, he is a weapon for Utah. And so I think Kincaid is the better play here, even though I, again, I'm a big Isaiah Williams fan. I think I will have to roll with Kincaid, though. Yeah, I, I honestly don't have that much to add. I, I'm with Kincaid as well. Um, 16.9 points per game, no Brand Kuthi. Um UCLA has also kind of been allowing big games to good tight ends. They allowed, I think, 14 points each to um, Christian Sims, the Bowling Green tight end, and to Devin Culp last week, who had a pretty good game for Washington. I don't think they're all that great against the tight end, and I think Kincaid might be the better one of the better ones they played. I think he's a pretty good player, and I actually think he's an NFL player. I'm going to go with Kincaid because I don't think the upside is there for Isaiah Williams against Iowa this week. I just... And I think Kincaid has the upside. We've yeah. seen him catch a lot of touchdowns this year. Like he's a primary red zone weapon for this offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I, I got nothing else to add. Like I, I'm fully on board with Kincaid here. So. Start the tight end over the wide receiver. Love it. That's my style, man. I would say that, that, that I, I figured Chris would be happy with this one because, like, the moment I saw this, oh, one, yeah. I'm like, there's normally I would just kind of throw this one out and be like, oh, you're going to start the running back or the tight, wide receiver. But I'm like, there's a legit case for the the tight end here. So let's have fun with this. All right. Another fun flex question here, because it's not very often we get two guys from the same team in the same question and two different positions here. So I think this is kind of a fun exercise in Mox and I kind of debating because normally we'll then compare like, oh, uh, you're going up against this team versus this team like they're like this team is the better matchup. These guys have the same matchup. So I think this is a fun exercise to see how Mox and I kind of break it down for. How do we rate different positions going up against different teams? So, Mox, I'll let you start off on this one. We got Dominic Richardson or Braden Johnson, the running back and wide receiver respectively, out of Oklahoma State. They're both going up against Texas Tech this week. This comes from Kyle Jackson at IndyFuel on Twitter. This is a half-point PPR league. So, where are you leaning with this one, Mox? So, I did not rank Dominic Richardson this week. And quite a few people asked me about it. Um, Including Dan, ATL Dan? I bet ATL Dan did. No, it, it will. He, he probably hasn't seen it yet, or it's going to be in my mentions, I'm sure. No, um, <laughs> Nelly was in her Discord asking me about it, and it was a legitimate conversation and, and a reason why. He's been really inefficient. Like He has not been breaking off explosive plays really at all. Um and this Texas Tech defense is actually pretty good on a down-to-down basis. They struggle against the explosive play, something Dominic, Dominic Richardson does not currently do very well. So an inefficient running back against a, a defense that is good on a down-to-down basis, I'm not really sure I want to trust that. I'd rather go to Braden Johnson. He only has nine targets in the last two weeks, but they were both blowouts. 
He had 21 in the prior two games that were actually competitive. They have a pretty good deep passing defense as well. I think they're also underrated. And I think the whole defense is underrated by the pass defense is also underrated. But I am going to go with Johnson because I think that this game is going to be extremely competitive. It could be back and forth. I don't think the Oklahoma State defense is as good as we've seen. They probably should have lost to that Baylor team, even though it wasn't close. Uh, just a lot of funky stuff going on. So give me Johnson. I think that's probably an unpopular opinion. I don't know where you're going to go with this. but Oh, I, I, think- actually, I, I disagree. I disagree. I, I'm, I'm rolling with Dominic Richardson. That's, mostly that's, because, what, I, that's what I figured. Mo- mostly because, again, when you look at the run de- defense versus pass defense, like you said, obviously the explosive plays are what have been killing Texas Tech on the running game, and obviously that's not Dominic Richardson's style, but maybe that's because we just haven't seen that from Dominic Richardson yet. Uh, again, five, uh, we've only had four games since into the season. They're a third of the way through the schedule. Maybe he just hasn't caught fire yet. Uh, we've seen a lot of Oklahoma State running backs in the past kind of take their, take their time in order to get where they are by season's end. So there's my defense on that part. And then... Him only getting nine targets in the last two weeks is a little concerning to me, especially with the possibility that Jaden Bray could, I think, be back any week. And I do think he was the plan to be the outside wide receiver at that point. So if he comes back, that takes away more opportunity from Braden Johnson. And then, oh, yeah. If he, com- if he comes back, I'm out on Braden Johnson this week, for but, sure. And then Dominic Richardson, in the two Power 5 games that Oklahoma State has played, he has seen 32 and 30 touches. Again, inefficiency out the window that's or inefficiency that's fine that's a volume that i love to see regardless and if he's going to get that kind of volume at any kind of close matchup i like to see that quite a bit and he's also getting work in the receiving game so you can take advantage of that half point ppr here so i'm rolling with richardson and shame on you mox i do think you should at least find somewhere to put richardson in your ranks this week i know i probably should i just We'll see. I will probably move him in at some point, but I'm not that comfortable playing him. But I could egg on my face. If I lead you astray on Richardson, just you can blow up my DMs. I don't care. To be fair, how, how many running backs did you rank this week? Uh, I think 75. Yeah, I think I, I think so, if you get down into like the 60s, 70s, you're not super comfortable with any of those guys. So I think Dominic Richardson should at least be worth down there. Yeah, he'll. I, I will probably put him in like the 60s range but i mean i just i just don't have confidence in him this week and maybe that's just me overrating uh what i think is a improved texas tech defense oh yeah no doubt <coughs> excuse me all right let's finish up this it starts questions let's talk about some tight end matchups here chris moxley's favorite he loves to talk about the tight ends they don't get enough love in his mind so do not Let's talk about this first question here. This one comes from our friend Nick Grays over from Rotowire at Nick Grays44 on Twitter. He is asking, Michael Trigg going up against Vanderbilt this week or Will Mallory going up against UNC? I am the biggest Michael Trigg fan in the world. You guys know this from the offseason. I thought everything was lining up for him to do great this year, and I am going to recommend Will Mallory in this matchup for these two. Will Mallory is seeing more targets per game. He's currently seeing 5.76 targets per game. He's going up against UNC, who is 102nd in passing defense this year. And you'll say to me, Jared, well, Michael Triggs only 4.8 targets per game, and he is behind, or and he's not, uh, he's going up against Vanderbilt, who's 127th passing defense so far this year. Yes, but the problem is Vanderbilt still sucks against the run. They're 88th against the run, and when Ole Miss has the opportunity to run the ball down someone's throat, 
That's what they are going to do. And until the moment that somebody stops him, Michael Trigg will not be able to do what he can do for Ole Miss until that point. Will Mallory has actually seen the number of targets he has received go up as each week has gone along. Again, Miami doesn't have any great wide receivers to, for them to rely on. Will Mallory, now fully healthy, probably can fill in a little bit of that role, take over that offense a little bit. I think you roll the dice with Mallory this week. What do you think, Mox? Michael Trigg is a sit until we see a big game from him. Bottom line. Um, he had that big three-touchdown performance against Central Arkansas. He has one game over 33 yards this year. He's 100, 128 yards in the season. He hasn't caught a touchdown outside of that game. That offense just isn't passing efficiently. I mean, Jackson Dart doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look good, bottom line. I just have a really tough time rolling out Trigg until I see more. I mean, this passing offense just stinks, and he's not a big piece of it. I mean, he's getting four or five targets a game, and that's fine, but he's not doing anything with them because the passing offense isn't good in, in like, where he operates. It's just so bizarre. Mm -hmm. The reason that I like Mallory, you talked about this, increased usage, 16 targets over his last two games. The UNC defense sucks. We all know this. I think Mallory could eat in a big way. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not starting Trey unless I have to is the bottom line. Like, I know you drafted him highly, but if you have – I mean, you're definitely starting Joel Wilson over him. Oh, yeah. You're starting Dalton Kincaid over him. You're starting um, Traore, the Arkansas State tight end over him. Like, that's the kind of conversation that we need to be having about Michael Trigg, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, yeah, and again, like I said, I'm the biggest Michael Trigg fan in the world over here, but I can't deny the fact he's been a disappointment so far this year, and a lot of that, again, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Ole Miss can run the ball like they want to, so there's no need for them to pass, and neither Dart nor Altmaier really took a step forward in that QB competition to the point where either one of them, they want to put the game in their hands. So, very disappointing to me, just nothing's working out for Michael Trigg right now. Hopefully, things get better for him as we go down the line. But as for now, i got to go with Will Mallory here. All right, second tight end question. We got Mr. Bryson Nesbitt, tight end out of UNC, going up against Miami this week. Or we got Dalton Kincaid going up against UCLA. This comes from Aaron Wilcox on Twitter, at Aaron Wilcox 86 I am going to keep this short and sweet. Kincaid has more targets per game. He is going against a, uh, a bad enough passing defense. I'm going to roll with him. Nesbitt, I think, is a little bit too variable game to game. I'd rather rely on a guy who is a focal point of that offense at Utah versus UNC. They got weapons all over the field. They got Antoine Green. They got Josh Downs. They got the other tight end and Kamari Morales. They got a bunch of running backs they could catch out of the backfield. I am going to roll with Kincaid. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think Nesbitt has gotten a little overrated. I think we think of him like as an upper tier tight end. He is one game over 53 yards this season. Um, he's catching a lot of touchdowns, and that's great. But, I mean, week-to-week -week variability, it's going to probably run out at some point. You're going to be sitting with a guy who gets like six points. I like Kincaid a lot for all the same reasons that I liked him above in the flex question, right? Yeah. Getting more usage. Um, Kuthi's out, et cetera, like. I, I'm not rushing to start Nesbitt, but 
Uh, there are a lot of teams where I think that he's probably your starter right now, and that's fine. I just I think Dalton Kincaid's a slightly better option this week. Oh well, yeah, again, that's what that's what it is with these start conversations. Sometimes it's like, yeah, like when if you go back up, it's like Spencer Sanders or Sam Hartman. Well, if that's your best quarterback on any team, like we're not saying sit him if he like Spencer Sanders. We chose Sam Hartman over him, but that doesn't mean we're saying Spencer Sanders should be sat in every single league. Obviously, yeah, so. exactly. Just to clarify for anybody that was confused. Even so, that does it for our sit starts. Again, y'all did awesome this week in getting us some great discussions. There are a ton, and I mean a ton, of questions like I have here at the bottom of the show sheet that we could have gone with. There was, again, y'all did awesome. Keep it coming to you guys next week. And again, we'll, we'll make sure to try to get as many people involved on this as possible. With that being said... We got five high-scoring games that we need to talk about, and we need to talk about who we think are possible sleepers or people you could take advantage of this week in terms of finding a plug-and-play player out of them. So let's get right to it. Let's go ahead and talk about our first game. Again, or let's not talk about our first game. Let me tell you about the games we can't talk about. Because, guys, there is a buttload of games this week that you could take advantage of this week, and I just want to list off the games real quick that we couldn't even fit into the show today that we could have talked about at length in terms of who you could play out of it. Tennessee, three-point favorite at LSU on uh, ESPN at noon, 64, and a, or 64 over under there. Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. We touched on that game a couple of times here. Oklahoma State only a 9.5-point favorite, but a 67.5 over under there. Both of those teams are probably going to hit into the 30s easily. Utah at UCLA, that's an over-under of 65 right there. Utah only a four-and-a-half-point favorite, so Vegas is expecting both of those teams to hit into the high 20s, into the 30s. And then you also have Oregon at Arizona, an over-under of 70-and-a-half. Oregon almost two-touchdown favorite, but that still leaves a lot of room for Arizona players to score out of that game. Do you want to touch on any of those games real quick, Moxley, or do you want to focus on the five that we chose already? Um, I think we did a good job hitting the highlights in most of those through the course of our conversation, but I will say that the, the Utah UCLA game, I'm a little wary of starting a bunch of UCLA players. Um, I think you start your studs and you just back off that game. Just don't like, I wouldn't get cute despite a high total because I think you, there's a world where they don't score more than like 25, 24 points. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I'm um, trying to think of anybody else that kind of applies there with this. Again, LSU, again, I called the upset earlier, but there's absolutely a world where they just get absolutely ran out of their own building. Uh, and Tennessee just absolutely whoops them in this in this game to make a statement. So there, there's yeah, definitely Jane, some... Go ahead. Jaden Daniels was really bad last week. So just keep that in mind when, when playing LSU offensive skill position players. Exactly. Which I don't really advocate doing this week, for what's worth. So, let's get into the games we are going to talk in depth about here. And we're going to first start off with the game day game of the week here. TCU at Kansas. TCU, the seven-point favorite. 12 p.m. game on Fox Sports 1. That is a crime, honestly. This this should have been the Fox game, in my opinion. Like, they, they, they should be on a main channel. Regardless, it's a 67.5-point favorite. Mox... Pick one of the two teams and tell me who you are planning on or you, who you think is startable 
for them this week? I'll pick Kansas. Okay. Uh, I think you start, just keep rolling out Jalen Daniels, just dominant so far this year. No reason to move away from him. Uh, I think you can start Devin Neal, and I wouldn't have said this without the other running back, Henshaw, being injured. Uh, sounds like he's not going to play for a, quite a few weeks, so I think you can feel better about starting Devin Neal. It looks like Luke wide receiver Luke Grimm is currently the wide receiver one, so I think you can start him maybe a little bit. Like I'm not rushing to start him, but he's definitely a guy that is startable. Yeah. But outside of that, I'm not really trying to to go anywhere. You know, Daniels is such a he's a guy who scored five touchdowns by himself. Yeah. That player, so you know, I don't think a lot of their other receiving options are are that interesting. Um. Mm. So yeah, those three I think are startable, but. You have to be reaching you somewhere else, in my opinion. Yeah, again, like there's obvious studs to start here. Like again, we already talked about Max Doug is an absolute star everywhere that he is this week. Uh, going up against a porous Kansas defense, no problem there. Kendry Miller, I was very down on Kendry Miller for most of the offseason. I was still down on him going into the season as well. But like, I can't deny that even though he isn't quite getting the volume that I'd like to see, he is performing very well on a week to week basis. So if you're somebody who has him rostered, I imagine you are somebody that believes in him and therefore no problem starting him this week. The wide receivers, man, this is where it gets really tough because it really feels like any of these guys are a dart throw any given week. I am going to advocate that Quentin Johnson still sits this week. He is he is in the mode of until he proves a game, no reason to keep beating yourself up every given week. Darius Davis, Ty Barber, or Tay Barber, those are the two guys that are just doing a look, doing better for TCU right now, just performing better on a week-to-week basis. If you're going to start a wide receiver, I'd go with one of those two guys. Quentin Johnson, he's the sexy name. He's the name you throw out there. It's like, all right, this will be the week. But then it isn't. I think you quit doing that to yourself until he proves it to you that he can do it. So, Yeah, you can't start him. Just not startable. I ranked, ranked 100 receivers this week, didn't make the list. Yep. So I and I rank Tay Barber and Darius Davis over him. Like that's where we're at currently with Quentin Johnston, which is so crazy because like he looked like uh, uh, according to all reports, he was the best on the team. Like he, like he is the only one of these guys that was even remotely getting NFL draft buzz, and now he's just nothing. It's just so crazy how that happens. Honestly, I have no idea. No yeah. idea. Maybe he maybe he did something again. There 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 are stories that come out of locker rooms every once in a while. Like once you hear it, like after the players graduate or something like that, you're like, oh, that makes a little bit more sense. Like, but I'm not saying that's what's happening here with Quentin Johnson. But at this point, I'll believe anything. So he's on the field pretty much every play. He's just not getting targeted. I I I don't know. Is the bottom line. I just don't know. I mean, some some people could say that he's being used as a decoy. Well, that only works so long once people figure out you're just not throwing him the ball. So, like, I don't know. Let's move on to our next one here. The Red River Shootout. An unranked Red River Shootout. Mox, I'm going to ask you a quick trivia question. When was the last time there was a Red River Shootout involving Texas and Oklahoma that neither of them were ranked? What year was it? 1993. I have no idea. You're very close. 1998. Ah. So, so it has been over. Um, it has been almost 25 years 
since we have seen an unranked Texas versus an unranked Oklahoma in this matchup. And man, both both of these teams have seen their ups and downs this season. Oklahoma definitely in the bowels of their down right now. That was just an awful, awful game against TCU last week. Anything that could have gone wrong did go wrong for them. Anyway, the rest of the info in this game, seven, Texas is a seven-point favorite. It's a 12 p, the new game on ABC, and it is a 65 and a half over under. So points expected galore in this game. Neither team's defense is really shown to step up, although, Mox, I do know you're thinking the Texas defense is underrated overall. Let's assume that Gabriel plays here. Because obviously I think the moment Gabriel doesn't play anymore, we don't want anything to do with any of the Oklahoma pass catchers. But let's assume Oklahoma Gabriel plays here. Who or which team do you want to pick here, Mox? Uh, let me go with Texas here. And here, here's what I'll say: I think you start Bijan, you start whoever the quarterback is. Uh, I think there's an equal chance that it's Hart, Card, and Ewers. Um, Hudson is pretty good last week too, so I don't want to shortchange him either because I think Quinn's the better quarterback. But Card played well. Um, if you start him, you start Bijan, you start Xavier Worthy, and then I think you can start. I think I think you start Jordan Whittington, and then obviously I think you need to roll out tight end Jatavian Sanders. Yeah, I think Jatavian Sanders has basically worked his way into the must start conversation at tight end. Great athlete, big part of this offense. I think he'll still be a big part regardless of who's under center. Uh, there's a lot of nice pieces on Texas. I think you can start this week, but. Jordan Winnington is the guy that I just have questions about. Yeah. The other four are locked in. Must start. Yeah, that, that that's pretty much how I'm with it. Like Whittington, I think if you're desperate, you might go Whittington here. He'll probably catch a touchdown. Um, it makes me happy to see Jatavian Sanders doing so well because again, so many people, so many people were on Billingsley the entire offseason. I kept I kept hearing him like, no, if there's going to be a tight end for Texas that emerges, it's going to be Sanders. Everything from the coaching staff says. They trust him more. He has been running with the ones more. Billingsley has not. And everybody's like, oh, he's, but Billingsley's so talented. I'm like, wait until you see Sanders. So, very, feel very vindicated on that one. That, yeah, that was a weird conversation. I agree. I mean, yeah, not to be a dead horse, but I, I was a little confused by that as well. Yeah. Oklahoma, again, let's assume Gabriel starts. I think you start all your usual suspects there. Dylan, obviously, you start Dylan Gabriel if he is playing. Uh, Eric Gray, um, I think, is worth a start. Again, I'm skeptical of any um, Levy running back, mostly because they split it up so much. But if Marcus Major's out again this week, Javante Barnes becomes an interesting start to me as well. Again, I haven't heard anything on whether Major will play or not. Um, that could be very interesting. And then we mentioned earlier, if Gabriel's playing, Marvin Mims is an absolute start. And then Braden Willis, another tight end here. He's another one that I think we have to work into a a, a absolute absolutely startable tight end in any given league kind of deal because Gabriel seems to like him, especially down near the red zone. So I like him this week. Again, assuming Gabriel plays. The moment we hear Bevel is playing, I don't know if there's really any Oklahoma player that I will love unless, again, I might be more interested in Javante Barnes, but even still, like, if Bevel's playing, what keeps Texas from just stacking the box against a freshman? Like, so just keep a 
deep eye out on what's going on with the Oklahoma quarterback situation. And again, we talked about that a lot tonight. The good news is it sounds like Gabriel should play this week, but we've all heard that before, and then game day comes, and then they don't play. So just absolutely keep your eye out for that. Alrighty, let's move on to the next game here. Let's go look at the battle of the two GSUs. We got Georgia Southern at Georgia State, a fun belt matchup. Georgia State, the two and a half point favorite. This is a 2 p.m. game on ESPN3. Over under of 68. Chris Moxley, which team would you like to talk about? And I already know which team you're going to want to talk about. Oh, you know that I'm going with my Georgia Southern Eagles, man. Kyle Van Trees, start him. Jalen White, start him. Yep. Derwin Burgess, start him. Start maybe Caleb Hood and Jeremy Singleton. Or the <laughs> wide receiver two and threes. Excuse me. Sorry, the first three, though. Van Trees, White, and Burgess, man, like those, those are guys that you are probably starting every week at this point. I mean, Jalen White has been awesome. Derwin Burgess is a target hog. And this offense is just passing at such a high rate that Ventrice is seeing uh, the benefit of that. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me look up uh, Singleton and Hood's uh, roster ship. It's, they, they both got to be low. Those are two guys that I think... We, we've had some questionable guys that were like like Whittington where we're like, ah, eh, maybe. Luke Grimm, ah, eh, maybe. Those are two guys I'm pretty confident in. Like if I was struggling in a league and I went to the waiver wire and they were on there and the free agents... I just picked them up, rented them for one weekend, and plugged them into my lineup. I would feel pretty confident in. I would feel like that. I would feel that they could score enough in this game that one of those guys is going to pop off. On the other side of this game, Georgia State. Less players to be super excited about, I would say. Uh, Darren Granger, obviously uh, the the dual threat quarterback there. Whenever he plays a bad defense, which Georgia Southern isn't a good defense, I would say for the most part. He has performed pretty well. Tucker Gregg has kind of come on as the kind of go-to goal line running back for Georgia State these past couple of weeks. Normally, they're just committed to hell. But again, Gregg, it looks like looks to be like their guy they trust the most as their scorer. I don't love him as an option, but again, if you're struggling and you need to find a running back, probably can go find him everywhere. He'll be there. And then there are two wide receiver options, Jamari Thrash and Robert Lewis. Again, don't love either of them, but I think it's pretty confident for you to pick them up and plug them into your lineup if you really need somebody to just roll the dice on in a high-scoring matchup. So, Mox, do you have any thoughts on the Georgia State Panther players? No, I think Jamari Thrash is being underrated, though. This offense throws a little bit more than people think, um, and Thrash is the primary beneficiary. So I think he should be owned in leagues, um, or yeah. at least be considered a like a watch guy. From Mox's lips to your ears, if you pick up one of Thrash or Lewis, just go ahead and go with Thrash. So, we got Sun Belt, Fun Belt. Let's go to all of our favorite conference. It's a little bit of early Maction. We got Ball State at Central Michigan. Central Michigan, the 8.5 point favorite here. It's a 3 p.m. game. 63.5, the over-under here. Chris Moxley, which team would you like to go with here? Um, let me talk about Ball State. You know, I like both teams a lot, actually. But I think Ball State is doing some pretty interesting things on offense. Uh, they scored a lot of points this weekend. I'm not sure they should have, but not going to doubt it. And 
I think they'll score a bunch this week as well, despite being an eight and a half point underdog. Uh, John Paddock has definitely outproduced my expectations. Uh, I thought he was terrible, and he's been serviceable. So, congrats, John Paddock. Um, but he's supporting Jay Sean Jackson. Yep. And that makes me really interested. Jackson has been a huge part of this offense. I think he maintains that on Saturday. I also like the freshman tight end, Tanner Kozoil, who is entering must-start territory. Yep. He's a freshman, too, in the max. Like, that's pretty that's pretty cool stuff. And he's a guy that, you know, if you're in a CFF Dynasty League, probably someone that you really want to be targeting and, and prioritizing on waivers. Um, we talked about Carson Steele earlier. I don't want to go too much into him again, but just operating in the Belkow role. Yeah. Really, really impressive stuff in his uh, year two season. And then... I think you could start Johan Tyler in this matchup. He's a wide receiver too there. I don't think you have to start him, but if you're looking for somebody who could get you 60 and a touchdown, I mean, he's, he's that type of guy, especially in a matchup that I think will be high scoring and he'll have to pass in. Yeah, I, I have no no qualms with any of that. And honestly, I, I'm probably a little bit more optimistic about Tyler than uh then you're kind of leading on there. Cause again, like he is the third option so far this year, but he's not far behind Quozo. Like he, like it's clearly a top three for them. Like every time that somebody catches a pass in the end zone, it'll be one of those three guys. And so I think Tyler's absolutely a great little throw in, see how many points he can get kind of player as your flex. Let's go over to central Michigan. Obviously Lou Nichols is the first thing that comes to mind here for anybody and the disappointing season he has had so far, he's going to get Despite averaging 19 points. Despite <laughs> averaging 19 points. Just saying. Keep it in context, people. Uh, but even so, like, people have had a disappointing season for him so far, especially last week. I think a lot of people were very disappointed in that game because he was only averaging less than two yards per carry in a Mac game. Definitely a little concerning for some people there. But he's going to get it right, y'all. And I think he's still worth starting in any one of your leagues. Uh, Carlos Carey is the top wide receiver here, and I think he is the only wide receiver. A lot of people went for McGoey after week one. I had a feeling that the Power 5 transfer from Maryland, uh, Carey, was going to do well in this offense kind of moving forward, and he has. And I think he's the number one wide receiver. Uh, We touched on earlier, Joe Wilson is a must-start tight end in any given league at this point. He is currently the tight end three on the year, only behind the cheat code known as C.J. Donaldson. And yes, I am proudly calling him a cheat code. There's nothing wrong with him being a cheat code. But the fact that he is keeping up with a running back that is tight end eligibility and the only other person he trails behind, Brock Bowers, who has had two incredible games, who had two really incredible games to get him up to the point where he is at. Honestly, Joel Wilson has been more consistent week to week as a top tight end option. So if you have him, no reason to not start him this week. And then, um, last one, the quarterback, Daniel Richardson, dual threat guy, been thrown a whole lot more this year with uh, the new offensive coordinator change. I think in any given action matchup, he could be very interesting for you. So, not my favorite quarterback starter this week, but I think if you put him into your lineup, you will be pretty happy. So, thoughts on any of the Central Michigan players, Mox, or? No, I, I, I agree. Um, if you're not paying attention, Joe Wilson is dominating he is like again like i I, like i mentioned earlier i'll I'll back i'll back it up with numbers because people like numbers like 
Brock Bowers is is the tight end one right now because of two weeks. Week three, he had 33.1 fantasy points. Week four, he had 28.2. Meanwhile, Joe Wilson has had 11.4, 16.8, 10.3, 14.6, 12.3, double-digit points every single week. Yeah, is he hitting 30? Not yet he hasn't. I have a feeling there will be a week relatively soon here where he could hit 30. All he needs to do is catch multiple touchdowns, and if you're in a PPR league, he absolutely could hit that. So I have, no again, Joe Wilson to me right now is probably my favorite tight end, mostly because I picked him up in a lot of dynasty leagues and it's helping me out a lot this year. Anyway. Oh, I have a lot of Joe Wilson too. We He's a guy one. that we were pretty high on in the offseason. Oh, yeah. We got one more game to talk about here. Another conference matchup. Another conference where defense is optional. We're going over to the ACC. We got North Carolina at Miami. Miami, a four-point favorite here. 4 p.m. game on ESPN2. 66 points. Chris Moxley, which team would you like to point out the starters for? Uh, Not Miami. I'll be UNC since I get to pick. Uh, You're rolling with... QB2 in the 2024 draft last Drake May. I mean, just a monster right now. I think you started Marion Hampton as well. He is the true freshman running back, but again, some healthier at that position. I still think he's startable. Um, Josh Downs rolling with him. I think Antoine Green, who is the wide receiver two there, also an option. Um, and we talked about Bryson Nesbitt earlier and why I wasn't starting him in that specific question, but I do think that he is a guy that you start this week. Yeah. And if you're desperate at tight end, Kamar Morales is also pretty involved there. Mm-hmm. So I guess I have to stick with the Miami, and this is obviously the one that we're a little bit more hesitant about, but Vegas thinks they're going to score points. They're the four-point favorites here. And so they're thinking that they're going to... They're, they uh, should. They're, they're thinking that they're going to score 35, 38 points in this game. So who? the question then becomes, who does that go to? Well, Tyler Van Dyke has not looked good this season so far. But the great part about it is that when you're a quarterback and you're not doing well, the UNC defense is just what the doctor ordered. This is the kind of game where Tyler Van Dyke absolutely lit up UNC last year. And I, again, regardless of the play calls from Josh Gaddis, I have a feeling Tyler Van Dyke is going to remember that from last year. Going to remember what kind of plays he can do. Uh, know the weapons he can work with. Uh, Will Mallory talked about earlier. I think he is a start in this game for the most part if he is your best tight end option. Um, and then the other question becomes the running back position. Henry Parrish has been very impressive for Miami so far this season for the most part. I say impressive in a relative term in the fact that he has actually kind of monopolized this backfield more than I was expecting this backfield to be monopolized so far this season and so again if you're in a game like this where unc is going to allow a explosive like 70 80 yard play any given play and henry Parrish is getting the workload that he is he is worth a start in my opinion again Keyshawn smith's probably the best wide receiver option for miami again i just don't trust any of them and that makes me a little concerned but again it is the unc defense they're making everybody look better than they actually are so I'd say maybe roll out Keyshawn Smith if you're desperate, but I think everybody else I kind of mentioned there, I'd be pretty okay with this week. Again, the UNC defense, as long as you, you if you start anybody against the UNC defense, I'm not going to argue too much with you. 
no argument there. Once again, I think you you hit on it, right? Like this is a get right spot for every team. Exactly. I, I put out a tweet like multiple weeks ago where it's like, hey, here's here. You guys see this schedule? If your team is on this, if you have a player whose team is on this schedule, start them that given week. And it was just the UNC schedule because I'm like, there's like everybody who's faced UNC so far has gotten way more points than they typically do. So, except for Virginia Tech, who's actually yeah. terrible. Well, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> was that was that even a question? Not really. All righty, we're gonna we're coming to the end of the show here, y'all. It has been a fantastic show, and honestly, I feel great because like I am feeling one hundred percent. I'm over my sickness. I am. I got the energy now. This is great. So, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, again, good luck. Uh, good luck as always to you guys in your matchups this weekend. We're already half. We're almost halfway through the season already, which feels like time is just flying absolutely by between this podcast and my master's work and everything that like it feels like every week is like a day like time is flying back flying past so much for me chris moxley before we go you want to give anybody a teaser or anything that you are working on and what people should check out yeah no i'll just keep pumping our our saturday show that we've we've been doing we have two of them one is on better sports network which if you are not following us there it's a really fun show that we do every saturday between 8 and 10 and it'll be something that we do in the off season as well kind of previewing the games talk about storylines talk about a whole bunch of different betting content um i think we had eight and one this week in terms of giving bets which was awesome but check us out there and then right after we're in your ears about the tailgate uh which is a whole bunch of us uh revolving crew most of the time but both Jared and I are on there consistently, and it's a fun time getting you ready for your matchups. Yeah, absolutely. Check out the tailgate, y'all. It's it. I have a blast every Saturday morning before the games get started, just hanging out with the, it, it. It's just like hanging out with a bunch of your buddies. It's like a little tailgate and everything like that. The only thing is that we should all probably bring food at one point. That 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 would honestly be kind of fun. It's just that we we, we all make food ahead of it. Obviously, probably you, Austin, and Matt can't do that because you guys are doing the Better Sports Network stuff. So. I don't know. I'm, I'm spitballing here, and the idea gets worse as my head as as the sentence keeps coming out of my mouth. Anyway, guys, really appreciate all you guys tuning in. Make sure you tune in next week when we give you more waiver wire pickups, and tune back in next week with me and me and uh, Chris Moxley. Always check, always be on the lookout for the tweet where you can submit your start discussions. With that being said, it is week six, and y'all enjoy it, and y'all have a wonderful and blessed day. See y'all.